Hey everybody, it's Emily here with Healthy Discourse, and I am so excited to introduce you to our special guest today. Her name is Trisha Sheehan, and she is my friend, like many that you've already met on the podcast that I met throughout the health, fitness, and wellness world throughout the years, and we've known each other for quite some time. And today we are going to talk about digging into science and research in this very special and quite interesting time that we live in. Um, I Trisha is a certified holistic health coach as well as a certified essential oils coach. But today we're going to be talking a little bit more about science and the world that we live in right now, the questions we feel like maybe we can't ask and hopefully empower you a little bit more to dive deeper into resources and understanding and asking questions, which in my opinion, Trisha is an absolute expert in. She has really encouraged me over this past year or so, and we'll be sure to include in the show notes some links to some of the work that Trisha is doing that you can get involved in as well. So welcome, Trisha. Hey, Emily. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I know, you know, we live in this crazy time right now where it's nearly, um, we get scolded very quickly for asking questions of experts that are defined in any number of ways. And it can be really silencing and it can feel very isolating when we feel like, wow, this doesn't make sense to me, but I feel like I have to follow the trends because everybody else is. And so I must be the crazy one. So tell me a little bit about like, do you sometimes feel that way? Or what do we even do with some of the the um, narratives and pushback that we're getting when we begin to ask questions? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that everybody battles. And, you know, with the advent of social media, it's taken on a whole new feeling and a a whole new life of its own. Because instead of having conversations, you know, face to face with people, you know, everyone's just typing back and forth. And there's a lot of, you know, brave keyboard warriors who are perhaps say things that they wouldn't say if you're having a face-to-face conversation, or there's just some things lost in translation if you're not reading body language and, um, you know, looking at the person in the eyes and that sort of thing. And so there's definitely something new about interacting over social media that we all need to learn how to do. But in the meantime, it's a bit of the wild, wild west. And so it's really easy for people to feel um, alone in their uh, view of the world and, you know, really question yourself if you have a viewpoint that's not the, you know, mainstream narrative or what everyone else seems to be thinking and feeling and saying. So I would just like to encourage everyone to trust your intuition. And if you have questions or feel like something doesn't quite make sense or you just feel like something's, you know, not right that you want to look into, like trust your gut and go ahead and go for it. And, um, you know, stay true to, to you and your values and your perspective and seek out other people with whom you can feel safe and not be on the defensive and have very healthy, respectful discussion and debate. And that might be, uh, you know, a local group. You might be a 
Facebook group or you never really know where you're going to find those people, but be open to it and, and seek, the, some, seek them out. And you will find um, others who are like-minded and share your values and um, perhaps even better yet, people who don't always agree with you, but is a safe place to have just a really respectful discussion where everybody learns something, broadens their perspectives, and the ball can actually move forward. Yeah, no, I think that's really great advice. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, my husband is an integrative medicine physician, which most people that are listening know that. And he is very much into science. He grew up that way. We question everything. We dig deeper, you know, that kind of thing. And he's always been that way. What's interesting is it used to be that that is how we explored science. We we asked questions, we dug deeper, we always knew and shared that we didn't know everything, that there was still things to be figured out. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about, I know something that you've gotten really into recently, which is, you know, this whole idea that, you know, the science, the science is settled, um, trust the science, which that, that word the is very important there, right? As right. well as um, even, you know, you got, you guys know there's little signs that are around that say like, thank you, Jesus. And that, that company has a really cool story behind it. But I've seen signs around our city that say, thank you, science now. And it's just really crazy how in the last year, this whole idea of the science trusting science and that kind of thing has become such a, a huge deal. And when we don't follow that exact narrative and believe that there is a quote, the science, then it, it becomes a problem in some relationships and even makes the decisions that we need to make more challenging sometimes. And so I know that you've kind of dug in a little bit recently to this idea of science versus scientism. Now that's different than Scientology, which is kind of on the, <laughs> the spectrum. But I mean, it, it really does seem to be surrounded around this set of values and a belief system per se that um, has become really prevalent really quickly. So could you kind of dig in a little bit? And I know that's like a new thing for you that you're really um, trying to help people understand. So talk to us a little bit, because I think it's a really good thing to kind of help us decipher you know, well, I do believe that science is important, but some of these things that I'm hearing just seem so, um, you know, definitive when it doesn't seem like these things are definitive, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you look back on the history of science, I mean, there's just example upon example of how science is not settled. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because if the science was settled, people wouldn't go into the sciences anymore. And they wouldn't be able to get jobs in the sciences. And we wouldn't continue to move the ball forward. So it's a really good thing and an important thing that the science is not settled. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, developments in science that really were game changing. You know, when Galileo discovered that the earth moves and, you know, revolves around the sun. Um, that was a really, really big deal. When the, you know, when the telescope was invented, when the microscope was invented, when CRISPR gene editing technology was invented, there's so many things that really change science. And we're in such a technology boom that there's so many technologies that are changing the way that we can better understand the world 
just about on a daily basis. And um, I've just signed up for a lot of newsletters from different institutions and universities and researchers to understand, you know, what's going on with scientific developments and breakthroughs. And it's just off the charts how much is going on. It's remarkable. And so I think the premise that the science is not settled is absolutely key to making sure we're doing great science because, um, that's basically the definition of science is you're constantly, you know, coming up with a hypothesis and then testing it and then updating it. And that's what good science is all about. Um, but if you get so hooked into scientific dogma, then you can't do good science. It's absolutely impossible. Um, it's not because science is not a finished body of knowledge, like a library, it's an activity and it's a process. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's very interesting that last year with the pandemic, the resurgence of scientism, which is, is not brand new, but um, everyone's renewed interest in science and health over the last year has really brought it sort of raving back. And scientism is basically putting too high a value on natural science and compared to other branches of learning or culture um, and an excessive belief in the power of scientific knowledge and techniques. So, um, you know, it's, it's, something that has become akin to a religion and people just sort of worship at the altar of science. And I've just been really trying to think about why, what's going on with this dynamic. And I, I think it's just fear. People are afraid of, you know, what could happen if they get really sick or, or the fear of death and they need something solid, you know, they mm -hmm. need something that's certain. And the hope is that science will provide that. But, you know, the unfortunate and inconvenient reality is it just doesn't. And that needs to be okay. And uh, unfortunately, it's really dividing people into two different camps right now. Yeah, I would absolutely would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think another problem um, or, or point of conversation, I should say, um, is we, there are in this very connected world that we live in, there are so many headlines and articles and everything coming at us all the time. And Part of what has also changed recently is what um, journalism means, right? And as far yes. as, um, you know, it used to be that, for example, if I was going to present something scientific that's a breaking news story, I, you know, you would read, um, you know, almost like an abstract in some way or the other, but maybe put together in um, more of a newsy way explaining Here's what was found, and that would be referenced and that kind of thing. And now what we're seeing is a lot more of especially, and I want to emphasize this, the bigger, the, the bigger news or um, information <laughs> giving um, resources. So whether that be on the TV or big newspapers or whatever, you know, the goal is the headline, right? You, you have to click on the story you know, they get paid for their clicks, they get paid for their viewership. So, you, so it's not so much about what am I sharing? Is this real, true and accurate? It's about can I sell this to the person to get them to open it? Exactly. And then that happens. And we we read the story. And because it's coming from a big publication, we automatically think, well, this must be true, real and fact. But as you and I have discussed, a lot of these stories have zero references. They're mm -hmm. based on one person's opinion or, or statement or whatever that could be based upon real science or not. We don't know that person's agenda for why they're sharing what, what it is. 
And I mean, and arguably, this even goes to some of the biggest, you know, everybody's heard of Dr. Fauci now, right? And so right. everybody understands that he's a big voice. And, and when he speaks, we're supposed to listen. But almost everything that we've heard that he and, and others, I mean, he's just one person that everyone can kind of equate this to. It's kind of like, oh, well, we have to listen to him. But how often do you actually see that any of that is backed, any of these opinions are backed by true and real and peer-reviewed studied research? It's not all that often. And so all of this to say is um, sometimes these big news, big resources are not our best options when we want to really figure out what is fact, what do we know, what do we not know? What are the questions we're still trying to figure out? And so one of the things I love about what you do, Tricia, is you find a lot of really great resources that are not, quote, mainstream necessarily, but are, do fit the mold of what I just said. A lot of this is missing. And so talk a little bit about how we can filter quickly, as quickly as possible, um, when we're faced with these things that generally are the purpose is to create an emotional response. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And part of that is a reaction to this rapidly changing environment of the news. And so the news that used to be, it only came from a few different news outlets, you know, NBC, CNN, Fox, there was just a few. And now it's blown up. There's citizen journalists everywhere. Social media means you can get news from a zillion places. Um, anybody can share their opinions now. I mean, it's rapidly changing. And so mainstream media has had to react to that. And so they're really changing how they're putting out their content as well. Because like you said, it's all about getting a click or getting a view because news operations are, they're businesses. They're not public services. And so when I'm looking for uh, information, I'm trying to find resources that are more of a public service and less of a business. Not that if someone's selling something, it's automatically bad because that's not true. But you have to understand what is their purpose? Are they trying to get you to click because that's how they make money? Or are they seemingly genuinely trying to share good, solid information? You do. You, like you mentioned, you have to check if, do they have references? Do they have citations? Um, and you even have to check because on like even the CDC website, they have those. So it looks really good. But if you click through some of them, it doesn't even talk about what it's supposed to talk about. So you have mm -hmm. to really be careful and be sure to check. Um, and so, you know, you, you can't just read the headlines. You have to actually read the article and just stay, always stay curious. You know, no matter who it is, even if it's someone that seems like a, you know, a really wonderful and genuine doctor, you have to know that's a human being. And no human being can know everything about everything. And so it's a perspective, even on the data, it's an opinion because, you know, for a good example, Dr. Eliza Song sh uh, shared some information on social media that was really good. And it said, here's a study. Here's what the study's conclusions were. This is an official study. And here are the flaws with that study that I see. So she talked about the study and the flaws of the study. And so you could see both perspectives. And I think we all need to look for that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Look for both sides of the story or look for, you know, can't, you know, on a hot topic like masks, for example, here are the group of people who suggest wearing masks and that they're effective for combating the spread of viruses. Here is this other group of people who believes that it's not effective and perhaps even could cause some negative health consequences, un, you know, unintended consequences. Well, look at those two groups. Um, what do those people have in common in those group? Is it they disagree because they have a particular differences in their educational background? Do they come from different parts of the world? 
do they come from different philosophical groups? You know, what, what, why do they disagree and, and what's behind that? And just like dig a little further and then you can really get at, um, you know, it's sort of this conventional medical perspective versus a functional medical perspective. And it's great to know both. And then you can decide for yourself and it doesn't have to be about who's, you know, right with a capital R and wrong with a capital W is just understanding. So then you can make your own best choice. So there's definitely right. things you can be done to, to wade through that. And there, you know, and I think that's the thing we are so uncomfortable. And you mentioned this earlier on with living in it, the gray area that we, and, 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 and accepting the fact that we don't have it all figured out. We don't know everything. And there's no perfect conclusion to almost any of these questions. And we have to, as a, as a culture, be more okay with that. Um, you know, it's kind of, I think it kind of goes alongside, along with this whole, you know, the, the quick, um, we, the immediate gratification society that we live in, you know, just yeah. like living in this time of the pandemic, we, you know, we, we needed to have the quick, fast, you know, everything, ha we've got to get rid of this quickly and at whatever cost that must be. And so it, nothing else matters because, um, you know, this is what we think has, is the answer. And if you question that, it's not okay. And so I want to kind of move into that. You know, we, we live in this world now where when we begin asking questions, and I'm talking about good questions, not, not questions to try to be slightful or to try to um, prove a point or anything like that, which we see that very much, but true, real questions. Too often, we that immediately becomes labeled as something, and often it's anti, right? So you're right. either anti-mask, you're anti-vaccination, you're anti-medicine, you're anti-science, and um, you know th that's just such a divisive approach to really trying to you know ask questions and get questions answered, or you know just be okay with the fact that there is no perfect answer to this particular question. And that that's the state of that's what the world we're living in right now on this particular topic. And so how do you think it's best for us to go about asking questions without eliciting that emotional response, which again, let me compliment Trisha. She is so good at um, taking a, we'll call it heated, a heated <laughs> debate and, you know, lowering those temperatures by pointing out that, okay, this does seem a little bit like an emotional response and acknowledging that, but then moving back into the space of the, of the facts and, or the, the myths or whatever are being considered. So talk a little bit about asking questions in an appropriate way that can help us be the most productive. Yeah, it's really hard. And, um, like you mentioned, I've, I've been through a bunch of this. I know everybody has, or, or perhaps they just read it on social media and stay out of it because it's, it can be very emotionally difficult, but I really think the way to go is to ask why more often. And so if someone says something that seems crazy or idiotic or ridiculous, instead of putting that judgment on them, let's ask why, you know, how, tell me more about why you're saying that. And if you, if we understand where someone's coming from, it will make a lot more sense. And, you know, it could be because, you know, someone in their family had a certain experience or they had a certain experience or, or something that happened when they grew up or who, or who knows what, but if we just can ask why, I think that will be the game changer. And, um, you know, 
listen to to understand versus listening to reply i think will make every difference as well and just having grace with each other and knowing that these are you know human beings interacting and that no one's perfect and no one knows everything and you know looking at someone from a different point of view and saying you know what can i actually learn from this person like and the point is not to agree we don't all have to agree it seems like we get mad at each other if we can't change the other person's mind let's just let go of that you don't have to change anyone's mind you know you can just speak your truth or speak to your experience and speak to your perspective and if you don't change the other person's mind you can still be friends you don't have to hate each other and um, you know, how can we bring other people into the conversation versus canceling them out? You know, if someone doesn't agree with you, they're just canceled. This crazy, right. crazy cancel culture we have, we're never going to become better neighbors and friends and society by just canceling people we don't agree with. That's not going to work. So mm -hmm. how can we bring people into the conversation, stay away from the judgment, try to tone down the emotions, um, and not take everything super personally and just try to come together. And, um, you know, I think the pandemic has kind of highlighted this because everyone's been so isolated. So it's gotten so much worse and everybody can see it. And, you know, we're going to start being able to get out into our communities more and gathering more. And I think we're going to appreciate more than ever just sort of that face to face opportunity to discuss and debate and interact and um, for anyone who's having, you know, a hard time with this subject, you know, interacting with people online, it could be worth just taking a step back, um, you know, thinking about some of these tips and uh, noticing when other people seem to have uh, sort of gotten a handle on it and just take some lessons from maybe what they're doing, which is one of the things I did as well. I have some people, you know, I just would watch what they post, how they comment, and I just really admired and respected what they did and, and aimed to um, emulate that kind of behavior. Right. No, I think those are really good tips. And I think, you know, we, we need to have grace with each other and understand what a challenging time this has been. And it looks lots of different ways, right? Yes. So the person who had a family member die of COVID um, has had a different experience than someone whose family lost their business. Right. And, um, and, and those are both very real things and, and struggles. And so, um, this has been a challenging time for everybody, but it is, it is so important to have that grace with each other. And also, you know, like, like you said, just being, or being a reasonable person and setting that stage for how to respond in a reasonable way, even if you do feel personally attacked, right? Yeah. We don't have to, just like we teach our kids, like if somebody, um, hits you, your, the right response is not to hit them back, right? Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> Right with that, um, especially when it comes to with, to our words and, and our typing and and that kind of thing. Um, so, um, Trisha, I would like to, as we kind of wrap up a little bit today, um, tell me just a little bit about what have you learned, especially through your research and through this, you know, kind of wild year that we've lived in about the information that you're seeking yourself. Um, maybe anything that's changed in how you are vetting your sources and um, finding those reliable sources or people that you like to go to on a regular basis. Um, how have you sort of weeded out everything that you're hearing and seeing um, in order to feel confident about and less stress too yeah. about the sources that you're looking at? I know I've been through that process as well because there's certain things that are just 
better for me. Like, I don't, I don't need to just have on the news anymore. Like I'm going to go to these very few, but reliable sources that I feel confident in. Um, and so how has that process changed or is working for you right now? Sure. Um, so I think like you, it's been a process and, you know, over the, the last year, it's definitely changed. And right now I'm looking for sources that are not sensationalized. And so if they seem to be going for, you know, the big reaction, you know, the, the big headline, I don't tend to follow those people anymore. I still try to, when I can, like get some golden nuggets from them. But if they kind of sensationalize things, then I don't pay as much attention. Um, I think that it's, it's not good to lean into the fear narrative. Um, and I like to follow people that focus on solutions, not just problems. And so there's obviously the, the problems are easy to spot. We could talk about them all day long, but what are we going to do to move forward? You know, what, what, mm, what can you do to protect yourself if you are in fear of a, of a virus and, you know, there's trillions and trillions of viruses out there. And so this is going to be an ongoing question. Um, it's not like there's this one and it will go away and then the, the topic is done. So if you are mm -hmm. living in fear of viruses, what can you do to, to, you know, support yourself and develop your immune system and not be a sitting duck just waiting around for a virus to hurt you? And so there's a lot of people who talk about terrain, something called terrain theory, which I know you know, but in case uh, listeners don't know, it's something to look up. And it's a different perspective than germ theory, which is the one that has, you know, the virus and the bacteria, they have all the power. Um, terrain theory is there's a lot we can do to influence the health experiences that we have. And so I really like to learn from people who are focused on that and focused mm -hmm. on what are the big takeaways from the past year and how do we use them to learn and do better instead of just complaining about what's going on and, and everything that has gone wrong. Um, so those are kind of my first couple of thoughts on, on the people that I'm looking at. And like I mentioned before, like people who share both sides of the story and don't just try to put forth their own personal perspective or opinion. Yes, I love this. Those are really great points. Thank you. So Trisha, I know that just in the last week, really since we started talking about this episode of the podcast, you are working on a new project. And I would love to link to um, some of that in the show notes so that people that are interested in following some more of the of what you're sharing, which um, to me, anything Trisha shares is a trusted resource. So she's one of my people that I know she filters through a lot of things. She's not going to share with you just, you know, one perspective always, but instead I love that, you know, you're looking at both sides and also um, you know, that don't, that does, that don't have that sensationalism. And so um, tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on and then I'll do my best to get folks connected to you that might be interested. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate that. So um, it's called science unsettled and you're right. Ever since we started talking about this subject um, it has just really <laughs> taken over my brain and I'm, I, um, you know, between talking to you and I read a book called the plague of corruption, which talks about, the influence of politics and money and power on science. Um, it has become something that I feel like I can um, um, help everyone, like just think about this more, let's discuss this more and it will give us a much greater perspective. And so um, I am organizing some roundtables of people to talk about science, scientism, this whole, you know, trust the science movement, um, as well as the counter movement, which is called Unbreaking Science, led by James Lyons Wheeler. And 
you know, let's talk about all this because I, I think it's just not getting enough, um, enough visibility. And it's really some foundational discussions we can all have to understand, you know, the pandemic and all of these pandemic related questions a bit better. So I will be um, organizing those roundtables with a variety of different uh, types of doctors and health coaches and researchers and, you know, citizen researchers, and it's going to be excellent. And I invite everyone to join in on the conversation because it's not like we have all the answers and people just need to listen to it. We really want to invite everyone into this discussion. Um, so um, I'll probably have you link them to a new page that I created called Science Unsettled on Facebook and mm -hmm. the website scienceunsettled.coming. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited about um, all of that and the good resources. And as you were talking, I just got, I was thinking for a moment, like, that's exactly what this podcast is about. I know that's what you're about is let's have more conversations. So I would just encourage all of our listeners today, and this isn't necessarily just about science, but let's have some good real conversations that our goal is to understand and to learn from the other person versus convincing and projecting and all of those kinds of things that are unproductive in the end. And so anyway, thank you so much for joining us today, Trisha. I'm really excited about your upcoming project. And um, I hope that this. It's Emily here, and I'm excited to introduce you to Raise Them Well. It's a company that Wiggy and I formed together to bring the best products for you and your children. Today, I want to tell you about our children's immunity chewables that include vitamin C, vitamin D3, vitamin K2, and zinc, all in one chewable. It's not a gummy. It includes no fillers, no artificial sweeteners, and no sugar, and is everything your kids need to stay well this winter in one chewable.